church. I remember sitting in this building, and then it kind of broke my heart that it was like, oh, Christ in me. And then you're watching people come up, and and they're arguing, and they're bickering about all these little things. And um, one of the things that uh, one of the kids at school was like, Mr. Liu, where do you go to church? And I was like, oh, I go to church at VCBC. And then she said to me, oh, that's the church with all the problems, right? <laughs> <laughs> and this is a kid who's never stepped foot in VCBC before. So I was kind of embarrassed. I was kind of taken aback. But then I kind of realized that, you know what, that's okay. I'm, I'm kind of glad that happened because I came to the realization that church is a place for broken people. And it's not a place where we're all perfect that we come together, yay, look at us, we're this great church, but it's a place where we can be open to our brokenness, to our faults, our hurts, and we're here to be Christ to each other, too. And Wes, um, you're single, uh, no kids, you're at the prime <laughs> of your life, you know, you're like Russell Wilson, just ready to win those championships. Why do you matter to the church? Um... As a teacher, I always hear that very cliche phrase that, oh, children are the future. <laughs> um, but I was talking to Steph yesterday, and then she, she told me that, um, you know what, the young people, the youth are most relevant to our church today, and they matter because they're the present as well. They're the ones who are most connected to what's going on in this culture, um, what's happening, and... I guess they're also less resistant to, to change. Um, they're important because they know what's going on in society. They're, they're connected more. And um, it's, it's, it's good because you can have a church that's relevant to what's going on to society. Imagine a church where we're open to everyone. Um, we're not here to judge. We're here to take in everyone and to love like Christ. It doesn't matter what background they're from. It doesn't matter what struggles they come from. It doesn't matter if you're an alcoholic. It doesn't matter if you're struggling with drugs or addictions. Um, VCBC should be a place where we do take everyone in without judgment. And I think the youth of our culture today, we, we are immersed in that. And we do see... A, a lot more of this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. That's okay. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank with you. <laughs> the, the next person who's going to come and share is Sandy. So let's welcome Sandy up. So Sandy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi. My name is Sandy. <laughs> I'm me. I also work as a pharmacist, but I don't usually identify myself as a pharmacist. I'm just me. You're a drug pusher, so. <laughs> yes. yes. So, Sandy, how is God real to you? Um, God is real to me in every struggle in my life. No matter how tough or how hard life gets, he's always there to help me. Um, and then I guess I just want to share a little bit about my family because I feel like He's a miracle worker with my family. So I come from a non-Christian family. My family's Buddhist. They're not the kind of Buddhists that are searching for nirvana. 
So the Buddhists that are mixed with a lot of Chinese superstition and mythology. So um, I was actually dedicated to one of the goddesses. So I had a whole bunch of monks chant around me and sprinkle me with holy water. So it's very strict. So when I first started to follow Christ, it was very hard for my family to accept that. Um, and we had a really hard time. And sometimes I felt really lonely because they didn't understand me. But God was slowly working through them. And one day I felt like God was telling me, hey, you should tell your grandma about, about me. And I was like, uh, no, my grandma's deaf. I'd have to, like, yell at her. I'd be like, Papa? <laughs> I'm like, she can't hear. She doesn't like to wear her hearing aid, so I'd have to yell at her. And then everybody in the house would hear, and they're already so pissed off at me. <laughs> so I'd be like, okay, this is not going to work. And also my Chinese is not very good. So I was like, God, I really can't do this. So he's like, no, no, you have to do this. You have to do this. So he's like, well, you know, why don't you take her to the park and tell her about me? Uh, you know, you can yell at her about me in the park, and no one will hear you. And I was like, okay. So I bring her to the park, and I'm yelling, and I'm like, okay, Papa, you have to believe in Jesus, like in, in Chinese, in my really elementary Chinese. And really, it's a miracle, because she's the one who's always telling us, you have to do this for this Buddhist season. You have to do this. Like, you have to follow all these rules. But she, I remember we were holding hands, and she was like, I want to believe in Jesus. Take me to church. Why didn't you tell me earlier? I would have believed earlier. Like, only God can do that. Like, only God can change hearts and be such a big miracle worker. Amen to that. And if you have a Buddhist background, this is certainly someone you could talk to. She's got great stories there. Do you have any scriptures that are dear to your heart? Yes. It's on my iPhone. <laughs> it's from Romans 8. Young people. 35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I tend to worry a lot, and so when I read this verse, it reminds me that like, even the worst thing that can happen to me, which is death. Like, even that has no power to change the fact that the most important thing in my life, which is God, who loves me so much, like, that can never be taken away. So that's my favorite Bible verse. Mm, thanks for sharing. Now, Sandy, you're married. You have a husband that looks better than Brad Pitt. Um, no kids yet. Can you tell me why you matter to church and why, you know, people who are in your situation matter to the church? I don't really know how to answer this question. I just think we all matter to church, no matter like if you're a baby still in your mom's belly or if you're an old senior citizen. I just think we all matter. Um, I guess maybe um, for like peers, like having your own peers, I think is important. I think sometimes maybe people don't realize that when you just come to church and and show up your presence actually makes a big difference to others and I think sometimes people just think oh I 
I don't matter. I'm just not going to show up today. But when one of my friends don't show up, I notice and it feels different. And there's just something really encouraging about having your peers around to share your journey with you, to be able to walk alongside of you and share your happy moments and your sad moments together. And so that's my answer. Thank you for sharing this morning, Sandy. Thank you. I just want to take this time to, uh, to share a little bit from this book. It's called Renovation of the Church. And uh, Wee Guan gave it to me. He might have a few copies uh, if you want to try and steal one from him later. Um, this, ch- uh, this book is about a church, uh, Oak Hills in California, that was very, very successful with secret services. They, they were hitting close to 2,000 people. And um, the pastors there had a change. And they said, um, we're really feeding a consumer society now. And um, we're feeding what just people are coming into church just to want. And they went through a major, major shift where many, many people left the church because they stopped um, stopped their seeker-oriented ser- seeker, uh, services. And I just want to read a couple passages from the book. Um, the first one it regards uh, the pastor talking to a group of new people at his church. And this is what he said. He said, I talked about the ancient vow of stability. I described the church as being a holiday gathering as an extended family where Uncle Fred always shows up drunk, Cousin Billy brings his latest floozy girlfriend, Aunt Martha gossips about everyone, Grandma uh, Helen adores everyone. The family may be incredibly weird, but it's still our family. People aren't skipping Christmas this year to be with a family down the street. We're family, and we learn to love each other, warts and all. And then uh, one person asked him, "Um, so are you telling us to go back to the church we came from? And here's how the pastor uh, responded. Because this person said, the the new person said, uh, he was leaving his church and coming to ours primarily because we have a choir, which he wanted to join. And so the pastor responded, I wouldn't pretend to know what you should or shouldn't do. That's not my place. I would love for you and your family to be part of Oak Hills. Uh, But what happens if for some reason we stop having a choir at Oak Hills and another church in town starts one up? Will you then leave us and go there? When does your church actually become your church? I never saw this man again. I'd like to believe he went back to his previous church. If so, I think that's a good thing. He has a passage about being a Christian. It says, a Christian is learning to trust Jesus is everything, in everything. By grace, Christians follow his examples and teaching. They apply themselves to the various practices, experiences, and relationships that help them learn how to do what Jesus said. By God's grace, they gradually become the kind of people who naturally and easily obey him. They constantly revise their life to carry through on their decision to follow Jesus. It's an all-encompassing way of living where daily events, circumstances, character challenges, and relationships are brought under the gracious and good reign of Jesus Christ. We found renewed passion in the idea of becoming a church to actually help people live this way. So we're going to take a little break from our our interviews to to sing a song called Cornerstone. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And I want you to think of something as, as we sing this song. Is, I don't know where you are at spiritually. You know, I often ask the question of, of where are you on a scale? And, and some people, some of you might be, I don't even know if God exists. 
And some people might be, I've been walking with God all my life. It's the most powerful experience in my life. It's going to carry me through. And, of course, so many people fall in between. But what I, I want to put to you is that whether you have great doubts with church, whether you have great faith in God, what better place to come together to discuss this faith than in a church family? And, you know, if you find it hard to say, you know, I, I can't quite say that Jesus is our cornerstone, that's okay. This is the place to bring that up. And if you are in the place where you want to go forward to reaffirm Jesus is the cornerstone of your life, this is the place to do it too. Uh, so we call this a song of focus and renewal. As we start a new year, focusing on Jesus, wherever you are on that faith scale, bring, bring us where you are. Share with us where you are with your faith, and let's talk about our faith. Will you stand and sing with me today?
you. And our next person is Cindy Lim. So welcome Cindy up. So Cindy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, oh, hi. Uh, my name is Cindy, <laughs> and I'm a stay-at-home mom. And I'm married to Wee Guan, and I have, uh, we have three teenagers. Jonathan is 18, Jessica is 16, and Joanna is 14. They are the most well-behaved children I've ever met. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about how God is real to you. I, I think we're really blessed to be living in Vancouver because for me, like, I just have to look out the window from my house or if I'm driving the kids to school and I, I just see the mountains for me. It, it just reminds me of the beauty of God's creation and I know there is a creator. Oh, there's someone who is so wonderful and so large and, and I'm just a little pinpoint out there and he just loves me so much and I just want to sing a praise song to him. And also... In his word, like, he reveals himself to me. He just gives me uh, a passage that comforts me or um, words to um, give me peace. And um, I, I, I just feel it sometimes. I, I don't know how to explain it. Do you have, do you have a Bible verse or passage that's uh, really important to you? Uh, yes. Now, uh, I, I'm old school. I don't have a Bible phone. So um, this passage, it's from a song that we used to sing when we were in fellowship when I became a Christian at this church, and we don't sing it anymore, but I don't Wayne would remember this. <laughs> <laughs> he taught Wayne song. used to be the song leader here. Yeah, the, well, yeah it, those are the olden called, days. Uh, the Steadfast Love, and it goes like this, and I'll just read it. It's um, from Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 to 23. It says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Hmm. Now, Cindy, uh, as you said, you're married, your, your children are in high school or just entering university. Um, why do you matter to church? Why do people in your situation matter to the church? Okay, I, th I think as parents of teenagers, like, I, I, first of all, I want to say I, I really appreciate what, um, is it Wes said Wes, about him, teenagers, like there, yeah. the youth, <laughs> and I, he said everything that I thought about teenagers, like how they are so relevant, they're connected to culture, because I see it in our family, our teenagers, and I, I just really encourage like our parents and as parents to really pray for our, our kids, because um, I want them to stay grounded through the truth, and um, and I know that when they come to church in their fellowships and their children's ministry or the Bible life group, they, they, they are learning the truth. And I, I just pray that they'll just stay grounded because I know that the world, it's, it's, there's so many distractions for them. And um, I have this vision of our the young people, they, like in Philippians 2.19, that talks about a depraved generation and how we can shine like stars in the universe. And I see our young people out there, like, it's just like teenagers, you know, you're... At this point in your life, you're probably at school. You're maybe at a job. You have after-school activities, and well, I don't know where we are shopping, whatever. Like you know, just um, to shine, like be, you know, shine for God in, within your words or your um, your actions, behaviors. Like be a blessing to all that you meet, because you know the truth. And as a star, helps us to 
in our direction to find things, you can navigate your peers, your friends to the truth, which is God. So I, I really encourage you to do that. And um, it, it's been a wonderful, it's a humbling, exciting time to be in our church and to see our young people grow. Thank you so much for sharing, Cindy. And our next guest is Henry. Henry's been a little bit sick, but he's uh, able to come, and I'm so thankful because I would have to close my eyes and point at somebody to come up instead. <laughs> Henry, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, you know my name. Um, I'm a retired uh, physician, um, and I have four grown-up kids, uh, ages 28 to... 21. And they are the most, most, they're great, they're, they're children, yeah. They're great. I'm kidding, they are the most wonderful children in the world. Never know what Apple's going to say next. <laughs> it's not like they're playing poker at night or something. Um, Henry, could you uh, tell us how God is real to you? Well, I guess there's uh, two levels that God is real. Uh, one is just the intellectual level. I, I, uh, I see, just like Cindy, how all around me in creation, uh, I see God's hand. And the complexity uh, of, say, our bodies, uh, of nature, uh, I'm just reminded of, uh, I've, I've had several opportunities this, um, this term to drive up, um, my kids to SFU for their midterms and exams, and uh, often they're still studying in the car. So I, I get to listen in on all these, um, especially biochemistry and all the all those reactions that take place in your body to make everything work. And and they're going through this complex sequence that I've totally forgotten or never heard of, <laughs> new discoveries and. Uh, um, it's so amazing that so many complex reactions have to take place. And this is just one small part of it that I'm listening to. And uh, so that's incredible. So intellectually, I have no problem that there is God. Uh, but at a personal level, um, I guess I think back to the day I was a Christian and uh, how when I accepted Christ, uh, I felt this peace and joy that I never had before. And several, you know, throughout my Christian life, I've, I've had a few of these kind of really, you, you might call them mountaintop experiences. Uh, the last one, I would say, was um, in Guatemala when um, we went with, uh, with Christy down there in 2012. And uh, we were uh, just, just uh, worshiping with, uh, with the people there. And, uh, you know, unexpectedly, I just felt uh, this warmth and uh, this love kind of surround me. And it was, the, cl the closest thing I could say is that, you know, it's like getting a hug from God. And so in those experiences, God feels real. But, but I think on an everyday basis, uh, I live by faith. And I live by, uh, by faith that, Jesus, uh, when he promised that he's going to be with me, that I can rely on that promise. And so it's not, not living by, by feeling, it's living by faith. Um, and I guess throughout uh, my 
experience too, we've seen God work, uh, answer prayer, and, and provide. Uh, one specific thing I, I would uh, just recall is, is that uh, uh, when we were, uh, when Eileen and I were just a young couple, and uh, we, I was going to medical school, uh, we needed um, a job for Eileen. So, and she was trained as a, as a teacher, and so we prayed for a, a job for her. And she was at that time um, uh, in a, substitute, uh, a substitute with Vancouver School Board. And they have a policy uh, of not hiring uh, from the substitute list, apparently. But uh, for some reason, when she applied for this position, uh, the, the, uh, the teacher that she was going to work with who had a, a say in who her partner was going to be um, happened to know uh, one of Eileen's references quite well. And based on that, she decided to hire her over and above all the other people. And uh, so God provided in, I, I thought, a miraculous way uh, for us during that time. Long answer. That is amazing. Um, what scripture verses are important to you? Okay. Um, I, I would just. Uh, I think I shared that with with the people uh, about three months ago. <laughs> it's Matthew eleven one to eleven. So those of you who are here know that story. It's a story about John the Baptist and and how he was in a crisis of faith and and what Jesus said to him. And uh, that, um, that to me has been, uh, you know, very important to me because it's, it's the scripture passage that I spent the most time meditating on, I guess, in the last few years and has come back to me uh, time and time again in various different situations of life. And it doesn't have to be a crisis. It can be just, um, you know, some irritations, uh, some... Uh, some, you know, maybe just bored sometimes, uh, but, um, or if there's more, more serious, uh, like family situations or whatever, that passage has come back to me to be uh, a comfort and reminds me of the blessing that uh, I have in Christ, uh, that no matter what situation I'm in, uh, I'm, I'm still blessed by, by my relationship with Christ. And you could listen to Henry's sermon online. <laughs> um, Henry, um, you have grown children. You're just retired. You're entering a different uh, season of your life. Why do you and people in your situation matter to the church? Uh, well, I, I think um, for one thing, all of us uh, as believers are part of the body of Christ. And as part of the body, you know, a body has to have all these different parts to function properly. And I think whether you're young or older in age, you are still part of the body. So in that way, you're still contributing to the body, whatever. And besides that, whatever gifts uh, and whatever um, um, abilities God has given each of us, we, we need to exercise those to, to help the body grow and to be a living organism. Um, so, and as an older Christian, I guess, 
those of us who are older, hopefully they're more mature, and uh, hopefully uh, are stable and, and are maybe hopefully an example to those who are younger in the faith and, uh, and also are a source of stability for the, for the church. Thank you so much, Henry, okay. for sharing. I, I wish we had more time and that uh, we can get even more part of the demographic spectrum that, that we can have children and teenagers and seniors and widows and older singles all come and share. Um, but we don't. However, there's one thing that, that I want to hope that, that you could take from today is that all of us have our own stories. And, in, and these stories are so important. I want to encourage you to share your stories, to let your stories sing. In these stories, we'll find God. In these stories, you'll find God beckoning you, asking you to join him in his work. In these stories, we'll learn about other people's struggles. And in these stories, we'll learn how we can overcome some of these struggles. In these stories, we'll, we'll, we'll share triumph and joy and heartache and difficulties. And in these stories, we'll find church. So I encourage you to share your stories. That's what faith communities are built upon, no matter where you are in your faith.